What's up, everybody? It's Chad. I'm here again with Ask Chad Grassy Logic. We're on what a third episode this week. I am actually um, joined by Bob from Gringo. Bob himself, um, I think you the owner, right? CEO. I am. Uh, yeah. my, my wife and I own the, the place, and I'm the uh, Gringo Gringo. Yeah, the Gringo Gringo. We'll get more to that in a second. Again, I'm Chad. I'm your host today, and I, again, I'm joined with Bob. Bob, go ahead and introduce yourself to the people. Hi, I'm Bob Lancaster, and now my wife Nora and I own uh, Gringo. And we are uh, located by Bright Star Dental on Bowman across from Chick-fil-A. Nice. Yeah. Really easy to find, guys. Um, it's kind of behind the building. I've been there before. Actually, I uh, took a visit um, when I found out I was going to be interviewing you guys a while back. And I think I'm going to try to do that um, once I find out who I'm interviewing. I'm just going to kind of sneak in and see if I can go, you know, check it out before I interview them and everything. So, um, yeah, it's a really cool location. Um, you guys are right, you know, in the kind of the heart of the town almost, you know, a lot of traffic, you know, foot traffic coming in from that area. So it's cool. So right off the bat, you know, I really want to hear... Where did the name come from? You know, I've, I've heard stories. I just want to hear it from the horse's mouth. <laughs> the name really, well, Nora and I constantly battle. She swears she came up with it. Uh, I swear I came up with it. Mm -hmm. But I, I honestly, I think it was her. Um, she, because she, she was referring to me as gringo, as a gringo. She's from Mexico. She was born in Mexico. Uh, and we ended up gringo for, for the dispensary. But it, it's all her credit, unfortunately. No, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, the spelling is just clever. You know, I remind you, you know, being in the area, you see gringo, you're like, I know who the owner is. <laughs> I know kind of where that is. And so it's so funny. I like that, you know, you um, do a play on words and you also, you know, kind of just like, oh, whatever, you know, gringo it is then. So that, that's pretty cool to see. Um, you don't really see that a lot in a lot of places. And I really like seeing the different names of different dispensaries, you know, for all over the nation, there's such clever names that people come up with, you know, some have to deal with weed, some don't, some are just, you know, clever play on someone's name, you know, so it's just really cool to see. So now we've got that out the way. Tell us where you're from. Like, you know, where are you from originally? You know, what brought you to New Mexico? Gotcha. Uh, well, I originated, uh, I grew up in Florida, just outside of Tampa. Um, I spent some time in Africa living with my grandfather who was doing a Africa. construction project. Nice. I lived in Algeria for about a year and a half on the Mediterranean. When I came back, my mom had moved to Nevada. Uh, we lived on a 350,000 acre cattle ranch that had previously been owned by Howard Hughes. Uh, oh, wow. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, we spent some time there, moved to Southern California, graduated high school, joined the Navy. I stayed in Southern California and uh, moved here to New Mexico in, in 1995. Wow. And, and Nora was born in uh, Michoacan, uh, Mexico. Okay. And I, I mean, here we are. 50 years later and she's uh we're weed dealers and <laughs> her dad was actually part of the drug trade and, and was got killed as part of his uh his uh, interaction with the drug trade yeah. in mexico before she came up here she came up here when she was about six really yeah so she's a product of you know pretty much the drug war exactly. yeah yeah that's that's interesting to hear i've never heard that story in particular in my life you know like especially coming from the industry you know like most people are like yeah i used to grow illegally in the closet now you know i do this you know i used to now or, you know, sometimes I used to run it from Mexico, but someone that having that close of ties, you know, that close to your family, you know, that's, I've never heard that before. And, you know, it's, it's good that she didn't take any, I guess, bad to cannabis itself because of that situation that happened to her. You know, she kind of embraced it. So well, make money from it then, you know, that's great. You know, I'm glad she did that. And, you know, welcome to the industry. <laughs> well, I never thought I'd grow up to be a legal weed dealer. As a matter of fact, on, on my side of the family, my dad was a, a Hell's Angel associate. We hung out with the uh, open chapter of the Hell's Angel, and he was their official meth producer. Uh, he got raided, and he spent 8, 10, 12 years in the California penal system Really? Uh, for the weapons possession and uh, drug manufacturing. So, well, luckily, I didn't go down that pathway either. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Apparently, we both have it in our, uh, in our blood. 
Yeah, I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't say that it ran in my family too. My uncle spent some time for selling, you know, both twice, um, two different times he spent time in prison. He actually just got out maybe like five years ago. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I was wondering why my mom didn't want me to hang out with them a lot as a kid. And so I guess it makes sense, but I went down that path anyway, but I just, I went down a smarter path. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I learned from his mistakes. Like, all right, well, things have changed. So I'm gonna go down this path and do the same thing. So yeah, you know, it, it, it's all in the family and everything. So thank you and welcome to the show again. Um, I appreciate you coming to be a, you know, a, a co-host for the day and everything. Um, Ashley joined the last two times. It was great. She'd never done it before either. We had great conversations. And she gave me a really great perspective of her side of the industry. Now we're getting to see yours. And, you know, we get to see, you know, everything coming from your side. And one of the first topics that we'll talk about, I mean, you, you know firsthand and that you've you really experienced. But um, about a few minutes before we started the show, I actually checked on Twitter and I found out that um, RLD or CCD um, released the numbers for sales for last month. Um, so for last month, for January, we sold about $40 million worth of cannabis. And that's combined with um, medical and recreational. They didn't have um, a split up of what the numbers were and everything um, right when I saw it, but I just know the total is at 40 million, which coincides with pretty much what we're doing the last few months. So that's good. We're staying strong. And we we're kind of joking before that, you know, sometimes they'll report, oh, oh, New Mexico's numbers are down, but it's like a million or $500,000, just, you know, a little drop in the bucket. But, you know, they make it seem like, oh my God, we're going out of business. <laughs> so it's, it's really cool to, to see that they're keeping up with the numbers too. And I'm glad that we have that because I'm not sure every state, you know, gives statistics like that every month. I'm not too sure. And you know what? I, actually, I don't either. I, I looked a little bit into it before this started, but I could never nail down a, a good number to myself. Yeah. You know, and every state's different. Their websites are all different. You know, like I go to Washington quite a bit and one of uh, my best friend's husband was telling me he wanted to go um, climbing, you know, go get some clams or something on the, sh on the sea. And I went to their Game of Fish. I don't even know what it's called. It's not even called Game of Fish website. And their rules and everything is totally out there. So, yeah, I mean, it could be somewhere totally different on that website of theirs or what. So um, as far as I know, you know, we're probably one of the few states that do it. Who knows? Um, they do like to claim that they're transparent, but who knows? <laughs> hope for the best. Yeah, just hope for the best and all that. So um, I just wanted to mention that, guys. First thing off, you know, there was something that kind of popped up. It's kind of like, you know, breaking news kind of thing because it just came out. Um, but we'll go on to our first topic of the show and. Um, come to find out, um, starting April 1st, if you have a manufacturing class license of two, three, or four, you're going to need a, um, a food permit um, from the New Mexico um, Environmental Department. And actually, the New Mexico Environmental Department recently just took over that role from the RLD or CCD, which I didn't even know was going to happen, to be honest. You know, I was like, I didn't even know that happened. Uh, you know, I'm like I, I was telling him before the show, I, I'm not really a manufacturing guy, you know, so I'm more of a grower. So I know more on that regulation side. So when it comes to manufacturing, I'm still digging into certain things when it comes to that regulation. So you're telling me before the show that, you know, you've had some, you know, questions and stuff about that or just some run-ins with it. You know, go ahead and give your, I guess, your side. Well, yesterday we had a visit from the CCD. Um, that was super cool. I mean, house was free, but one of the things that he uh, he stated we needed was a food handler's license mm -hmm. um, because we were selling items. Yeah, uh, it seemed a little odd. They're they're, yeah. they're prepackaged items. We do have a manufacturing license, but we're not currently producing anything. Uh, so I can see where the food permit may, may be an issue. Yeah, uh, but the food handler's license, as a matter of fact, when we opened up two months into it, I was concerned that we needed to have them. Yeah, uh, the CCD clarified that uh, unless you're a consumption lounge. 
your your employees don't actually need to have a food handler's license. Yeah, that's what I understand. Yeah, so that that I'm still trying to sort that one out. But <laughs> you must be a new guy. <laughs> Every time I see somebody, it's a new guy. Yeah, yeah. They, it seems like the turnaround rate up there is kind of high. I don't know what's going on. Um, could just be some mean people. It could just be all kinds of things. But yeah, you know, um, and like we we're talking before, you know, everybody in the industry, even the regulators, are still trying to figure this out. They're still trying to figure out the laws. They're still trying to figure out you know, all these rules. Um, people are still getting set up, you know, like still kind of just figuring out getting set up in general. I mean, you, you have this confusing tracking system that you have to learn from, you know, ground up if you're brand new to the industry. There's these rules and laws that you have to learn. And if you're from new to the state, you have to learn everything about New Mexico. We're totally different. You know, we're not like any other state. So you have to learn, you know, a lot of stuff and it can be overwhelming. And if you're up for that challenge, by all means. So, but yeah, that, that's one thing I wanted to touch it in, especially you having that experience with them and everything and, you know, dealing with that, like, come on, we, we, we don't. And it makes sense. You know, you're not handling anything. You're, you're having them a prepackaged thing, just like the guy at the gas station who's had in the dude or not even handing them. The guy brings up the bag of chips and he buys it, you know, like, so it's, it's a little ridiculous for that, that they're doing that, but hopefully they'll come to like, okay, we're sorry. We were right the first time <laughs> when we told you we got to kind of backtrack again. So with that being said, I really want to go down and we'll talk about compliance in itself, because I guess that seems to be an issue in the state. However, like I said before, everybody's still learning. So the state has actually been giving kind of a grace period is, is what they're actually calling it. Um, is they're giving a grace period right now, but right now there's 196 compliance uh, violations as of the end of last year, but 148 of them have been fixed ever since. Um, now that means that there's a number of them that haven't been fixed or that people have been in trouble. So have you run into any issues like that yourself? No, this is uh, the first time we actually had like a formal uh, inspection, any sort of write-up. Uh, and they were sort of fix the tickets. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It was it was nothing major. There were five of them, so I, I'm, I'm probably five of those 148. So today, <laughs> there's, there's only 143 left. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but no, like I say, our experience with them so far has been good. They've all the, the officers have always been polite. Um, like I said, but there is some confusion, like you say, rules, interpretations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we just got some growing pains here to get through. Yeah, and you know, th- there's a couple of like instances and issues that the courts are actually going to have to handle eventually too. And that's with everything on the medical cannabis side. You know, we went through the courts with a few things with, um, I think it's, uh, one of the unemployment, um, programs where they have to pay for your cannabis. I forget what it's called. I can't think it on the top of my head right now. Um, workers comp workers comp actually has to pay for your medical cannabis. And they went to the state Supreme court, I think. And they said, no, no, it says right here, you guys got to pay for that. So even on their website, on, on the, the website, because my dad went through it, and I was like, Dad, they'll, they'll pay for your cannabis. Keep your receipts. <laughs> yeah, they're supposed to pay for it while you're on this. So there's things like that, you know what I mean? Yeah, and it, it just goes, the, the industry is totally you know, crazy and different. There's all kinds of different programs and stuff. So as of right now, there's actually, from what I was reading, there's two Santa Fe-based um, companies that are like in some hot water. They actually got fines. Um, and so the reason of it was they were out of compliance and it wasn't just out of compliance. Like, Oh, you didn't have a sign here. Like, Oh, you forgot to give that person a visitor badge. You know, it's nothing like that. It's like, Oh, you guys might be uh, doing some illegal activities with your product kind of stuff. And, um, one of the things says one of them might be cartel related, which, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, like, you know, they're going to infiltrate somehow, but, um, 
we don't know until the end of the investigation and everything. And I'm not saying names or anything like that. These are just two companies in Santa Fe who are operating and maybe they were doing something wrong knowingly. Maybe they didn't know they were doing something wrong, you know, because maybe they came from another state where it was different and they just assumed it was here, which isn't the smart thing to do, but you know, maybe that's the case. Um, so that's the kind of the news when it comes to compliance on that side, because it is a big deal. Um, you do want to be compliant. They make rules and laws for a reason. Um, you know, I mean, we should be following them because it was illegal for so long that we need to kind of just follow the rules and laws because in New Mexico, they're not even that bad. You know, like we don't have a limit at home, how much you can have and possess, you know, like it's really not that hard, you know, to not walk around with two ounces in public. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I'm not going to walk around with two ounces in public probably anytime, <laughs> you know, like that's quite a bit to have in public, you know, at home. Okay. Whatever, you know, cause people grow, you know, and right. you know, it's great that we're not punishing anybody again, you know, for growing well. Uh, do you grow yourself at all? Like, have you grown in the past? I don't. Um, I, I have a very black thumb. Okay. Uh, Nora, on Fair. the other hand, uh, nothing dies in our house. It's like <laughs> a jungle in there. Uh, so once once that time comes and uh, have another business where we, we can't do the growing sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, once the time comes, I'm sure that we'll have uh, the most amazing strains of stuff. Okay, there we go. Yeah. And so I guess look out for that in the future, guys. You know. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been growing myself um, for about 10 years. And, you know, it's, it's a different world, you know, the grow world and everything. So, you know, um, I hear a lot of people like, oh yeah, everything dies and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I hear that a lot too. So, and it's, it's not easy growing, you know, good cannabis, good cannabis. It takes a lot of love. So, you know, shout outs to your wife for, you know, keeping plants alive like that, <laughs> keeping your house a jungle. <laughs> but I wanted to give you guys some examples of some of the infractions that they have been seeing. Like um, one of them was um, lack of training. So I guess it's, you know, a violation if you aren't training your employees or they're not getting the proper training. And so um, that was kind of surprising to me that they even thought of that or that was even a thing. I was like, oh, I didn't even know that lack of training could get you in hot water. Um, but, yeah, it was one of the violations, one of the little slap on the wrist. Like, hey, come on, you know, train these guys, get them trained to compliance and stuff. Because um, some people are coming from other industries. You know, everyone's still learning, like we said. And uh, another one would be um, signage, lack of signage, you know, mostly like restricted area signs. Um, that was one of ours. Yeah. And you know, that makes sense. You know, sometimes you don't think about that. Like, you know, it's restricted. Everyone else pretty much knows it's restricted, but there has to be a sign. Okay. We get it. So, you know, stuff like that happens. Um, so the only problem with that guys is RLD is actually kind of, I guess, I want to say getting fed up, but they're starting to say that the time limit on this forgiven stage is about to run up. So if you're getting into the industry now, you probably won't have that little wiggle room of, oops, I messed up. I'm sorry. In the future, um, the people who started out here, um, they will. So your best bet is to just make friends with people in the industry. I mean, we're all in this together, you know, we're all competing together and, you know, a little bit of competition, there's nothing wrong with it, but there's no reason that we need to be ugly to each other and not help each other out when it comes to certain things like that. Um, you know, because your experience could help someone else in the future too. And then you guys can maybe have a great partnership or, you know, make a good business. I mean, have you experienced something like that yourself too, or, um, well, I mean, actually partnering with uh, with our growers, uh, okay. we, we actually got in with him, set contracts uh, six, eight months before it actually became legal, before they had their license. Nice. And so, you know, having that uh, that relationship has been great. We've been able to keep a, a very high quality product in the store, uh, stuff that you're not finding necessarily everywhere else. Yeah. Uh, so that, that, the collaboration has been a, a very nice thing. 
Nice. Yeah. And I'm always glad to hear that, you know, people work with, you know, the local growers and stuff like that, the smaller growers. And hopefully the, the micro growers get the 2000 plants that they deserve <laughs> <laughs> come this legislative session. Poor guys. Um, yeah, we, we told them a long time ago that 200 just wasn't enough for anybody, you know, that's trying to, you know, be in a, any kind of competitive market. Um, but it's great that you guys, you know, are still working with them and everything and, you know, bringing that product to the people in Las Cruces. Do you guys plan on opening any of the stores around, you know, the area or the city or anything? As a matter of fact, our, uh, our Anthony location right now is under construction. Nice. And we hope to have that up and running by uh, no later than the end of February. And at some point, hopefully the next month or so, we're actually going to uh, be able to have a drive-through uh, as part of that facility as well. Cool. Yeah, I love the drive-through. I love that we have that. And I love that Cruces didn't add the restrictions for operating hours. <laughs> That's rad, right? You know, like you figured Albuquerque would have been that or Santa Fe. And Cruces is like, no, nah, no. Nah, <laughs> so it's you know it's great that we can you know say that you know we're in the only, only areas because Otero County decided not to do that as well. Really? Yeah, um, I was there uh, during that um, committee hearing or committee hearing uh, during that uh, county commissioner um, hearing when they voted to not add any operating hours. And it was funny because you know Coy Griffin, we all know the the cowboy guy. Um, he even said himself, he said, "Well, if you don't have product, I guess you ain't gonna be open." And I was like, "That's the." <laughs> Right. simplest way that anybody could put it. If you don't have product, you're not going to be open. So what's the point? You know, what, why restrict it? So, um, yeah, I guess I went on a little tangent there. You know, we can go off on things all day. So moving on, guys, we'll keep talking about um, stuff as we go. And I'll probably throw a couple of the questions at them as we go. And as I think of them, too, because there's certain things I don't think about when I'm writing it down, because uh, that was a really good question to ask him. Um, there is actually a group, a dispensary here in New Mexico and a group of advocates that went to El Paso to advocate the city council to um, pass some ordinances and stuff to kind of push along the legalization in Texas. It's not really going to legalize anything really per se. It'll help people because it'll be a site and release program and it'll really, they want to bar the El Paso government from using funds to test cannabis. So it's kind of like little stops here and there to kind of make it harder. And the, the last thing would be to um, really tell the whole Texas government that we want cannabis legal, you know, in one of our bigger cities in Texas, but they're kind of forgotten. Um, I had an instructor in AIT when I was in the army say that, you know, he's the bastard child of Texas because that's where he was from. And I couldn't be more correct. <laughs> but we feel you down in the South because, you know, we're like the bastard children of New Mexico because Santa Fe forgets all about us. So I was like, I feel you there. Um, so, yeah. And they went over there to, to really just promote cannabis legalization and try, try to destigmatize. So it's really cool that that's, that's happening. That's something that's being talked about a lot. You know, um, advocating. I feel like everybody in the cannabis industry is an advocate at some point, point or some sort. So it's good that, you know, we can get out and, you know, in the community and kind of just outreach like that. You know, because El Paso is a sister city. Um, you know, it's, it's a city that we kind of both lean on each other for things. You know, I remember when the, the massacre happened down there, there was a lot of support and cruises, you know, um, towards the people in El Paso. And um, even to today, you know, like we still, you know, welcome them with open arms, even though they're Texans. <laughs> even though they're Texans, we welcome them with open arms. You know, we, we don't see them as Texans all the time, but um, they still have that, that Texas plate, um, which, you know, we all kind of gawk at sometimes. But, uh, you know, much loved El Paso and everybody over there. So that's cool. Maybe, you know, you know the El Paso City Council will come around and maybe do something to help, you know, with the, the cannabis effort and everything. Because being so close to El Paso, you know, in, in New Mexico and Texas in general in that area, you know, it's kind of hard because we blend together. You know, there's certain people who are your neighbors in Texas and you're in New Mexico. So, you know, it gets kind of the laws get kind of blurry in some areas. So it really only makes sense. So what's your kind of take on that, you know, when it comes to, I guess, that legislation stuff? Well, I mean, it, 
I would certainly support like a, a decriminalization movement. Yeah. Anymore. Yeah. I mean, it, it, if they're relatively self-governing, I mean, which, which they are. So <laughs> yeah. The only, the only uh, city in Texas in the Mountain Standard Time. Yeah, that's so true. They're right here with us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah but I mean, it, it may be harsher. Uh, again, we're, we're looking at stuff right now with uh, all sorts, sorts of reforms, even on the federal level. Uh, with people that had prior uh, marijuana convictions, getting those folks out, uh, lessening those. So I, I think a lessening of penalties yeah. uh, in that area, I think that'd be, that would certainly be great. And I mean, personally, from a retail standpoint, I, I see 60, 70% of uh, the folks that walk in, I swear, every day have Texas licenses. That's uh, crazy. So, it, I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's a tremendous uh, boon for our, our, our uh, excuse me, for our economy here locally. Yeah, definitely. And so, yeah, they'd lighten up over there. I mean, well, right now, I don't think it's retarding much of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Flowing, but yeah, no, exactly. I mean, see, yeah, it would be, you know, because it would give them more relief to come over here and, you know, get what they want. Because on the medical side, they were doing it anyway, because we had that brief moment where the law said that any person can be in our medical cannabis program, regardless of where they're from. And so, you know, we had a bunch of people from El Paso sign up. And just recently, I think one of some of the last ones are starting, their cards are starting to expire. Um, so sadly, you know, the people that were in the program that were from out of state, are no longer in it, but we have uh, reciprocity, reciprocity, however you guys pronounce it. Uh, <laughs> how you pronounce it? Where are you from? Um, which allows people from anywhere with a medical cannabis card to, you know, participate in our program. And here in New Mexico, since it's legal now, you just don't pay taxes, which is a huge plus. Yes. You know that that taxes adds up. That twenty percent that you end up paying at the end that adds up really fast. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's a huge chunk, and you know, uh, getting that little tax break with just having a medical cannabis card, it's a huge win. You know, when I go to other states, I check to see if they have the same thing. Or, you know, do you guys have record reciprocity? You know, like, what do you do for patients out of state? Sometimes you'll just get to front of the line. Sometimes you'll get a discount. Sometimes you'll get a discount that's kind of equivalent to tax-free. You know, you know, kind of like a veteran discount, you would get like 10%. You know, like a lot of the times it pretty much just takes care of tax. And, you know, maybe you'll get something like that, which, you know, it's a huge plus. You know, you're getting rid of the tax. Um, so just if you guys are a card holder from another state or if you're from here and a card holder, Check it out whenever you go somewhere outside of state because I always check out cannabis when I go somewhere. I don't know about you. Like if I go to Washington, if I go to California, I'm going to check a place out. Um, and I actually made a shortcut. I programmed it to where if I press the button, it looks for dispensaries closest to me. Yours pops up, of course. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it did. I was like, yours pops up, of course. Um, and it shows me all the dispensaries nearest to me in location. And so I can just press that and it'll pop up. It'll show me the, you know, where it's at and all that. And so I use that everywhere I go. I'm like, all right, let's see what's around here. See what's good. And I'll just go check it out, you know, see what kind of cannabis there is because it's great to see what other states have. I mean, um, I don't know, like, what other states have you really tried cannabis from? Uh, well, like two years ago, we went, we spent uh, a week in Denver before this opened up. Yeah. So I sampled there, uh, California. And I think really those are probably the only two states that I've been into where it was recreational. You can yeah. walk into it and, and purchase it. Nice. And, you know, there, there are little differences, nuances, uh, but I mean, it's the same thing. Uh, well, like with chili, there's a uh, uh, Colorado chili, which we all know is not real chili. <laughs> it's a bell pepper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah. Well, it's good. It's own right. It's not necessarily the same. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah again, that, that, that's what you know, those little nuances from here to there. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And, you know, it's cool to see that, you know, little differences in the nuances too, that, you know, when you go to somewhere different, um, so yeah, I guess moving on, you know, kind of got off on a little tangent there. I'm adding something kind of different this week. I kind of spend some time, not a lot of time on Twitter, you know, and I, I've told people this all the time. It's the butthole of the internet. There is like some of the stupidest things on Twitter that I see. However, I get some of the best information from Twitter. Some of the best Intel comes from Twitter and I only find it on Twitter and nowhere else. And I don't know why. 
Um, I wish I could tell you why, but for some reason I do. And it's depending on sources. I don't just look at everything and everybody and be like, oh, that's great information. You know, like some of them are from really good sources and they just put that information on Twitter only and nowhere else. And I don't, uh, that's the reason why I don't know why. Um, however, so there was a user on Twitter who's claiming that he's going to be opening a cannabis gym here in New Mexico. And we were talking that it seems kind of counterintuitive because personally, when I smoke cannabis, I feel weak. It's to like relax for me. So if I want to go work out, that's the last thing I want to do. For some people, I know that's what they do solely before they go to the gym. There's no pre-workout, nothing that's just, you know, hitting the bowl and then, you know, hitting the weights. And uh, that just seemed interesting to me. I was wondering when something like this would kind of pop up. I've seen people with the ideas of the yoga you know, the, the hot yoga with the cannabis. I've seen, you know, the people with the restaurant idea, but not the gym idea. I mean, what's your, what's kind of your take on this? Yeah, much like yourself, uh, gym just doesn't seem to, to be the place I, I'm going to crave once I've, I've enjoyed some nice cannabis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm going to relax, uh, you know, maybe a little light yard work or something, but <laughs> I'm, I'm certainly not thinking about going in there and sweating my ass off for the next hour. So, uh, I, I, I more power to them, and we yeah. do actually have a couple of customers who have stopped by. Yeah, and I and we said that this is their pre workout routine as well. Yeah, um, so I, you're out there, man. Hey, more power to them, man. yeah, just not for me. Yeah, yeah, me neither. You know, there's going to be the crowd that, like us, we're just not for us. You know, we're more of the chill smokers, and you got those guys who are more the intense ones, and you know, they'll go at it all day, you know, with a doobie in their mouth and they're hitting the bench. I mean, <laughs> more power to you, buddy. You know, if you can do it, do it. And you know, I, and I can kind of see this more for people who want to go somewhere, work out, and then right after their post-workout, they want to go smoke. Because that's what I do. After my workout, get my stretches in and stuff, and then I sit down and I smoke. You know, and then, you know, the kind of the post-workout. So I can kind of see that being a a lot of the thing of the majority. Um, You're going to have those people who are just, you know, balls to the wall, let's get it. You know, I just took a fat dab. Uh (laughs) It's a little off topic, man, but a little town that I grew up in when we lived on the ranch in Nevada. Yeah. There was an older woman, 40s, 50s, whatever. Her name was Pearl. This woman decided she was become excuse me going to become a marathon runner, and you'd constantly see Pearl out running, sweatband and cigarette hanging from her lip. She was a chain smoker, and she ran marathons. Eventually, it took about a year and a half. She trained. She ran her first one, but anytime you'd see her running, there was a cigarette hanging from her lip. So that same counterintuitive. Here she is out there putting a twenty-six mile. Yeah, <laughs> a full of cigarette smoke. Yeah, and I've been hard pressed to do a clean and young. Yeah, yeah, you're like. What is going on here? Yeah, I had um, NCOs in the Army smoke a whole pack a day, and I would run a 12-minute two-mile, right, which is, you know, fairly impressive for the Army. They would smoke me with, like, 10, 11 minutes, and I'm like, how? This dude's, like, drinking a gallon of Mountain Dew a day and smoking a pack, and he's just smoking me. Like, what the heck? Humans are impressive. <laughs> how much damage you do to our body and how resilient it is. <laughs> so um, that was uh, my my – Thing of the day for uh, the Twitterverse. I don't have a educating the public topic today. Uh, Ashley and I had one last time, but it kind of just came out because we were just educating. But if it comes up, it comes up and we'll let you know. Um, so moving on, I really want to talk about legislature. I normally talk about legislature first, but I want to talk about it towards you know the end of the show because uh, it's a lot. Well, not a lot, but there's a lot that's in these two bills that I'm really going to be discussing right now. And I was telling you before the show, we we're kind of discussing like, whoa, um, so the first one, and this one is um, introduced by Representative uh, Mariana Matthews. She's a Democrat of District 27 out of Bernalillo. Um, so if she's your legislator, this is who you contact if you agree or disagree with this bill. Um, so the bill's called uh, HB 233, which stands for House Bill. It's, um, it was introduced in the House. And um, on Section 3 of it, 
um, at the very bottom tucked away. Cause what this build does is it's pretty much just um, giving RLD or rules and you know, licensing department to, or is it regulation, the licensing department um, who they oversee. So CCD is one of them. And then they added a couple and they just clarified some more. However, at the very, very, very bottom tucked away in some little secret messages on section three, it actually adds compliance inspectors, peace officers, in almost like in parentheses, and it's going to be for alcohol and cannabis only. And what they're going to do is they're going to go around and inspect all these places, but they're going to have the power of a peace officer. And for me personally, I have kind of mixed feelings when it comes to that. I'll let you guys make your own um, uh, conclusion when it comes to that. However, you know, to me, I, it kind of alarms me a little bit because I don't want to be worrying about a cop coming to my dispensary when I've worried about cops for so long. So, I mean, how does that make you feel, you know, being a cannabis owner and, you know, having to worry about a, a cop coming to tell you that your sign is crooked? <laughs> Honestly, I, I, I have a, a tremendous uh, aversion to the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, we have plenty of, of police in, in, the, yeah. in, in the state. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we need a New Mexico ATF, which is kind of what this sounds like. Yeah. Um, I'm a strong supporter of law enforcement. So mm-hmm. I'm a guy, I'm a veteran. You're, yeah, you're, you're, same yeah, with you. I, mean, I, I got no issues with any of that. Yeah. But um, as we discussed earlier, uh, it's like uh, arming postal people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Know, the, the postal service, which I found out, has got a uh, you know a wide. They have a, a tactical unit essentially. Yeah. And I'm like, why is the post office in a tactical unit? I don't think our cannabis people do either. And uh, honestly, I, I look at the legislation right now, and they've really handcuffed us in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, marketing. Uh, yeah, there's just some some of these we can't do. It's, we're, we're generating uh, tax dollars for the state. Uh, we're, we're we're participating in elite business, and they, I, I seriously feel a lot of times like they treat us like criminals. Yeah, uh, we still do. You know, even even the inspection yesterday, while the was super cool. Uh, you know, the little couple of things that you're in there, the small infractions, and again, fix the tickets. Uh, that's fine. I just I just think it's, it's sort of a heavy hand on the industry right now. Yeah. No, no, I agree. Um, and in a lot of instances, you know, they they kind of are unfair to us. You know, when we when it comes to like rules in the city, even, you know, like dispensaries aren't allowed to be a certain distance from each other. However, if you go downtown and Cruces, there's bars right next to each other and there's people smoking cigarettes on a fence that goes to my hip and I can just sit there and watch them. And yet no one says anything, but yet, you know, you mention cannabis and people lose their mind. And because there's a, there's a dispensary down in, you know, down in that area too. And they were really upset because they were connected to a school. And, you know, that passed, but you know, there's a huge stigma on it and, you know, it shouldn't be that way. You know, a lot of these other businesses, don't have the same regulations that we have, even though our industry is making a lot more money than theirs, you know, and it's, it's a little ridiculous, you know, because it's kind of hindering, you know, more money coming in from this industry. And, you know, I I like to say that when you hinder this industry, you hinder innovation too in the industry, you know, for the longest time, you know, growers, we were subject to the black market and closets and, you know, trying to figure out the best way to hide the grow and versus, you know, the agricultural world where they were just doing all this cool stuff. They've had stable genetics since like the 50s. We're still working on ours. You know, like they laugh at us when we tell them we have unstable genetics and they're like, what are you talking about? And so, you know, for them, they're just like, that's weird. For us, you know, it's a common problem. And, you know, we're that behind because um, we've just not allowed innovation to happen on that front. It's changing slowly. But if we like crack down too much on this industry, it's just going to make it go South and it's not going to progress like it should. Like, like he said, I I'm all supportive of, you know, law enforcement and all that. And, you know, following the rules and regulations, but let's not overdo it. You know, we have people already in place to tell businesses, 
you're out of compliance, blah, 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 please fix it. You don't have to put a badge on them and with handcuffs, you know, there's no reason to do that. Um, we already have the police, they already have their place, you know, let's just do it the way that it works <laughs> versus trying to add something more to just kind of scare people, I guess, to maybe follow the law. Uh, that could be a thing. Yeah, but I mean, how much, how much really, really of all the, the places that are out there operating, that the people that are doing stuff that are, you know, beyond me not having my restricted access. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but how many people are, are, are buying uh, illegally? Yeah, exactly. Okay, those are the concerns. So mm-hmm. Those people are they're manufacturing illegally. Is it, yeah. Are they doing it safe? Are they yeah. Being tested? Are they mm-hmm. having? Uh, you didn't have restricted access sign on my inventory room. Okay, well, the, all right, well, the, the, it's kind of laughable to be honest. <laughs> I got two stories in my place. It's upstairs. There's no customers up there. So yeah. Even then, but 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 again, why why are we worrying about that? Uh, it's it's like policing in the city as well. Why am yeah. I worrying about small infractions when mm-hmm. uh, you know crime is growing? Uh, yeah. Let's take the the serious stuff and worry about that. And, yeah. And, and, I, and I don't think we need another law enforcement arm. No, I don't either personally. And again, you guys can come up with your own conclusion at the end. Um, just, just personally, that's how I feel. Um, but yeah, I, I feel the same. You know, we just should just let the, the industry kind of thrive and go. And then the direction it's going, it's not like it's going south. You know, it's going good. Everyone, again, is still learning. Even the regulators are, more, are learning, um, especially with the, the laws and rules that they made, um, which is kind of funny in the end. But I wanted to touch base with this again and let you guys know that these bills that I'm telling you about, they haven't passed. They're still in committees. Um, they haven't even reached any house or Senate floor yet. Uh, they're pretty much just ideas. Um, there could be another bill that comes in that's totally different that does similar things like this HB 233. Uh, there could be another bill that separates RLD from all these places, but doesn't have this um, peace officers part in it. So that one could be the one that passes or they could take this out in a committee. So, so much can change, you know, in the time that this is introduced to the time that it passes or dies that this could just be an idea, but it's something to look at because this means that there's certain lawmakers that are having this on their mind. So it's something that you can not forget about because you might see it again in the future. From my experience, that's how it's worked here anyway. Um, So the the next bill I want to talk about is uh, HB 275. And um, this one is, has to, is actually a big bill. Um, This is a, a, like a DWI bill and it has to do with a um, oral fluid roadside test, testing program, pilot program thing. And the bill wouldn't like make it to where they're going to use this right away as law. They would use it in real practice, um, but be testing it. So people would be getting prosecuted and charged over um, a device that's being tested versus one that's, you know, just being tested in a a little confined whatever. And so that's one part that kind of raised an alarm on me. I'm like, well, why are they doing that punishing people when this is a test? Like, what if that device just is not working well, you know, like there's a bad recall on it or something like just screwed somebody over because of that, you know, like that's not cool. Um, and another thing about the bill is it's going to take $650,000 for the next three years from the cannabis taxes that are made. And so it's a little funny. It's like, wow, that kind of, it's kind of funny because we're making all this money on cannabis, but yet now we're going to give the money to, you know, kind of do this testing and everything for the, the DWI pilot program. And I don't know how I feel about this one. Again, guys, this one, 
it's just been introduced. And um, I guess I'll tell you who introduced it. Um, so it was introduced by Jimmy Mason of District 66. He's a Rep- Republican of Chavez, Eddy, and Lee counties. Um, they kind of combine them on, on the eastern part of the state sometimes. And then um, Alan T. Martinez, he's a Republican of District 23 of um, Sandoval County. So if these are your representatives, if you support it, don't. These are the people who you contact. You don't contact me. Um, so... If you guys are in agreement with this, again, contact them. But these are the guys who introduce these bills. It's a Republican-heavy bill, so it may be a reason why it reads the way it does. Again, it's in committees, so it could be chopped. It could be dead. It could be totally changed. You know, I think uh, it's in the House Judiciary Committee, and I think the head chair of that is uh, Cervantes, and he's from down here. He's kind of a stickler. He's, um, <clears throat> he's a moderate Democrat, like to the max. And so... Most people, when they think of New Mexico, like, oh, it's a it's a blue state. But <clears throat> historically, most of our Democrats have been moderate Democrats, mostly leaning um, conservative Democrats. And so, yeah, it's been blue, but it's been kind of purple. <laughs> you know, like it's been more or less purple in that sense. Blue dog Democrats. Yeah, exactly. And that's only changed in the past years. Maybe 2019 is when it kind of started to change to where it is now. And so Cervantes being, if he, that is his committee and he is on the chair, he could hack it. You know, he could be like, no, because I've seen him take some of the most progressive bills, hack it, I've seen him take the most, most conservative bills and hack it, the most liberal ones and hack it. You know, he's, I will say, fair. <laughs> Out of most of them, I will say he's fair. I hate it, and I hate watching him sometimes because I'm like, oh, no, not Senator Cervantes, anybody but him, like <laughs> anybody but him. Because he will just chop any bill up to bits, just like tick, 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 tick. Oh, well, when we put this and this, and he'll just do it to bits. So... I'm, I'm talking a lot on a bit. How do you feel about this fluid, you know, test, the oral test that they're, they're wanting to implement? Well, I, I mean, it, again, if it's, we're, we're talking uh, test stage equipment as well. Yeah. At, at, what, what are time frames? Uh, yeah. Did, you know, I mean, if, if you can pick it up for 30 days in a, uh, in a urine test or a blood test, or yeah. whatever, how long is it going to pick it up in a slab test? Could it yeah. have been a week ago? You're perfectly straight. I, mm-hmm. I just I got a lot of questions and it, it doesn't sound like uh, they're throwing it out there as a, as a perfect science. Uh, yeah, and to actually penalize somebody for something you're not sure is right. Yeah, yeah, that's the part that, that really gets me and that, that kind of worries me is that people are going to be, their lives are going to be affected over a test or over something that they're not even sure because they're going to find these devices from whoever and then get them and then have them test it live. You know, like, oh, we suspect this person's high and we're going to use this new device. And I mean, the officers in the bill, they have to be trained, this and that. They don't have to be, you know, a drug officer trained. You know, they can be a new one, et cetera, et cetera. But I kind of feel that it needs to be tested more or less in a controlled environment versus out in the open where people are infected environment. Like I would volunteer for that if it was a controlled environment. I wasn't going to get punished because Washington actually did a similar test to this when they went legal um, over 10 years ago. That's when I remember this study. So they took a bunch of people, different types of users. They took everyday users, once a month users, occasional users, and they had them smoke like however much they wanted and they had them drive. And so they had them drive like three or four different times and they had them smoke more and more and more. And so, of course, the person who had the most tolerance, the, you know, the most smoker, she drove fine until she was just blitzed. And she was so stoned that she even said, I should not be driving right now. She says, I'm only doing this because I'm allowed to. She said, if I was at home, I would not be on the road. And like, that's the difference between cannabis and alcohol. You know when you're too high. But, you know, if you get that opportunity, I would have taken it too. You know, I can't really blame her. But, you know, if we did something like that, you know, instead of just saying, okay, everybody's going to get punished for our test, then uh, 
But, you know, that test was really good. They had officers there. It was a closed parking lot and they allowed people to smoke, whatever, consume. And then they, they did the test and they, they come to find out that, well, it came to find out that the current levels that they have for DWIs are like four to five times lower than what they should be. They should be about 10 times higher because people that even don't smoke that much, their levels were high just with one toke. You know, and like, don't get me wrong. If you have a very low tolerance, you probably shouldn't be driving. You shouldn't be driving stone anyway, but you really shouldn't be if you have a very, very low tolerance. You know, like I'm not trying to advocate people to get stone and, you know, and go drive um, because you shouldn't be doing that. Uh, but, you know, if it does happen, but, you know, the people that do do that, you know, they, they really, really should have. And, you know, you can see that, but, you know, even that, you know, it was just so low, you know, it's like a four nanograms or something like that. And it's really not much, you know, just, um, uh, I think an average medical patient sits at about 150 to 300 milligram, uh, nanograms, like me sitting right now, you know, I'm probably sitting at about 200, you know, and you, I don't know how much you, you smoke or use, you know, uh, I'm pretty mellow. yeah, yeah, maybe at 50. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of like, oh, that's kind of, you know, weird. we need to look at that too. And so that's why these laws are kind of important. And we look at it because again, this may or may not pass, this may die, but it doesn't mean that we're, this is the last time we're going to see it. You know, like we may just see this next year or the year after, you know, depending on who's in charge. So I just want to go on that. And do you have anything else on this bill or any of the ones that I talked about or anything? Well, that, and, and, and again, I'm, I don't have stats in front of me, but it's not the thing that you hear about year after year. Um, I, there's mad. Uh, yeah. you know, okay. But I, I haven't heard of, you know, the mothers against, uh, you know, potheads. Yeah. yeah. I, it's not something where we get national statistics all the time. Is it really something that's that, that big a deal that, that we need to incorporate it? Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, and I'm with you on that. I mean, we haven't really seen cannabis to be that issue. Right. Like, yes, you shouldn't be high, you know, like or super stoned even, you know, and on the road, like you really shouldn't be. And normally stoners, you know, cannabis users, we know when we're too stoned to be on the road, you know, like even grandma's boy, I'm way too high to go to the devil's house. <laughs> they made the monkey drive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the monkey drove. They were, they were smart about it a little. Um, so, yeah, you know, even that instance. So, yeah, I just don't think that cannabis has that been that much of an issue for us to really push on it and, and that much of an extreme. And that's really where, where I've been trying to tell these local governments, too. I'm like, well, have we had these issues with cannabis? Like, why are we going this extreme route when there's been no issue of this whatsoever? Like, kids using cannabis has always been an issue. It's not something that you or I are just seeing now. Like, we smoked weed when we were kids. I know I did. I don't know about you. Yeah, I smoked weed when I was a teenager. You know, stems and seeds. Yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like finding ribbons and shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a cracker box barrel. <laughs> Never know what you're gonna get. Yeah, yeah, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Fake fingernails. You know, you call it. It's in there. Uh, let me know what you guys have found in your Reggie. I'd, I'd really like to know. That'd be great. Um, so yeah, you know, and I, I'm just agree with you on that one. You know, that's. There's just no reason yet, you know, like let's, let's wait for the science. Let's wait for studies. Let's wait for more numbers. You know, like I get it, you know, like there is an issue with people driving drunk in New Mexico. I get it. That is an issue, but it's, I don't think cannabis is the issue, sole issue when it comes to that either. Um, so, and you know, when it comes to the laws and stuff in the state, that doesn't really help. So, you know, fighting something like this would, you know, would probably be necessary if you agree or disagree. Again, I gave you guys all, your, all the representatives' names, their districts. It's up to you to figure out how to contact them. And you can go up and have a meeting with your representatives if you want. That's the way America works. So thank you guys again for joining us on this week's 
uh, podcast of Ask Chad Grassy Logic. Bob, thank you for joining me. I'll let you do the outro as I always do. I let my guests do the outro. So go ahead, um, do your outro, and then uh, I'll do mine. (laughs) I'm Bob, uh, the gringo gringo, and uh, we'd love to have you guys in the shop. Uh, We're a boutique-style place, nothing but top-end, small manufacturers, nothing national. Support is local. Thank you very much for having me. Awesome. Well, thank you, Bob, again. And I can't wait to have you on the show again. It's been a great conversation. Thank you for your service, you know, brother in arm. And it's always great to, you know, see one of us in the industry as well, you know, because, you know, some of us just, you know, go other paths. So it's great to see us on a great path. Um, again, guys, thank you again for um, for joining us this week on the Ask Chad Grassy Logic. You find us on YouTube. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Apple, Google, and the list will continue to grow as we go on. Um, one thing I want to mention is uh, Kush House is going to be here in Las Cruces. They're going to be having a soft opening here in Las Cruces um, on 1128 Solano Drive, and I believe that's this weekend. So um, that's one thing I want to let you guys know. With that being said, that's the end of the show, and I'll see you guys next week. All right.